Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Leads That Podcast. This is our third main podcast, but actually episode 12, can you believe it? We are in the kitchen. I'm Andy. I'm joined by... James. Paul. And Matt. And we are here to discuss all things Leeds United, play some fun games, and just have a bit of a laugh, I suppose. So we'll start off with a bit of a season so far. Um, how do we think we're doing? James, you've someone written in? Yeah, someone on Twitter's actually sent us a message um, called Oscar Hesterton. Sorry if I've pronounced that incorrectly, Oscar. Um, you've said how much more solid we look this season. White seems like the missing piece. Um, we get out of our half easier. Also, do you think Bielsa will ever change the starting lineup if there were no injuries? By the way, love your show from Norway. Norway. That legit? Yeah. Oscar's from Norway. Cheers, cheers, Oscar. Thank Thanks, you. Oscar. I can't see him changing the team. Tell you what, Oscar's clever because Ben White is unreal. So how do you think we're doing in general this season from Oscar's question? Obviously, we've had a good start to the season. We've had a bump in the road against Swansea, but overall, I'm feeling pretty positive. We're looking like we're the same team as last year. It's been a really impressive start. I think there was a similar panic before this season as we had last season. Last season, it was just a complete unknown. This season, it was Janssen's gone, we're going to be frail. And when you look at all the stats, we've improved. Everyone was scared when Janssen went, and I think Ben White's just coming and blown him out of the water. Are you sponsored by Ben White? <laughs> ben White. You know, I've, re- I've realised what this part of the season reminds me of. It's, you know, in the olden days when you play a computer game and you couldn't save it, so you'd get, you'd get like to the, you'd have a really good game and you get right to the end. You're, you're playing the final boss. Like a checkpoint. Yeah. And then you, your you, mum calls you for tea, doesn't she? Well, you're playing the final boss and then you lose and then you get a continue and you lose that. That's what I feel like happened last season. And now we're back at like the start of the game, trying to get our way through the easy levels so that we can have another crack at the boss at the end of May. So you're, you're always quite, it's like Green Hill stage on Sonic. You always <laughs> feel like it could go wrong right at the start of the game, but luckily we've managed to uh, make a good start I was going to say it's a bit like Alex Alex the kid isn't it where you have to buy stuff at the shop at the start to make sure you can get that little bit further yeah all of that who have we bought then well no one did we you're going to say his name again Ben White great loan we we definitely haven't bought him good loan though we loaned him from Alex the kid what what I like about um, us so far is that there's no there's not really been any massive drastic changes it's just tweaks and there's tweaks um from Foreshaw and Ben White. Ben White's just like a, you can't say it this early, but I'm going to say it anyway. He's a more complete version of Janssen, really. Wow. His, his forward passing is uh, a lot quicker 
and a lot more accurate. He's not mental though, is he? <laughs> so it may be that Ben White is just better suited to the system that Bielsa wants to play. Yeah, definitely. I think he's a better player as well. Oh, It's too early to say, really, but I mean, I've not seen a player have that good a start for in a lead shirt for a long time. Future England captain. How many future England captains have we got in the team at the moment, according to you, Andy? Two. <laughs> okay. That's quite measured, actually. And who's the other one, Andy? Callum Phillips. He's been outstanding again this season. He's picked up where he left off. Well, one, one thing as well is that we're not losing a lot of possession so far in midfield. And I think that comes from the firming up with Forshaw. For sure, for sure. We're solid in midfield and we're solid at the back and we're quickly getting into attacking positions. I think when I read read somewhere the other day that the only place that we're really losing a lot of the ball is in the final thirds, which is far better than in the middle third. So I think that's, it's little tweaks. And I think the injection of Forshaw this year, because obviously he had on and off injuries last year, um, is massively helping us so far. Is it time for a game, Paul? Sure is, Andy. Let's play Leeds United. Play your players right. So welcome to the third edition of Leeds United. Play your players right. Ooh. We have uh, returning champion Andy. Championi. And uh, for those of you that haven't heard it before, I will say uh, the name of a player, how many appearances they've made for Leeds United. And then I ask um, Matt, Andy and James to guess when I tell them another player, whether they've made higher or lower appearances than the previous player. It's a barrel of laughs. It's great. It's a good game. I mean, I've never won, but it's, it's still good fun. It's only, it's only the third time. Yeah, plenty yeah, of time. That's true. That's true. So the players that I do mention, um, there is a theme that runs between them. Um, there is no bonus point for guessing the theme. It's just for fun. First player, Matt Grimes, seven appearances for Leeds United. How did he make seven appearances? Were those subs? Matt Grimes, I'm going to have a first stab at the theme, but I won't spoil it. I'll write it down and just show show you that, Paul. Yep. Yeah. That's a name. Okay, so... Uh, Is the theme greasy-haired rubbish players? Well, this... Could this, be. This podcast's going out after the uh, Swansea game, and he was their player of the season, is their club captain, so... Says less about Swansea. You could be in your words here, Andy. Nah, confident. So, Danny Graham... Did he play more or less times for Leeds United than Matt Grimes? Danny Graham still uh, making appearances in the championship for Blackburn Rovers. It's another another tough one, this. Nah. James, what are you thinking? Oh, don't, don't look at me first. Uh, I'm saying more. Okay, how many do you think? 14. Andy? Less, six. I've, gone, I've gone higher, eight. It's, it's less... He played three times. Oh. Oh, I'll, take that. I'll take the point, though. Never liked him. Okay, so, next player. Federico Bassoni. I know the theme also now. And I also know how many Bassoni played. So, did he play more or less times than Danny Graham? As we said in the last podcast, uh, Bassoni went on loan to Charlton. Do you know that he's still playing? Yes. Who's he play for? Bassoni FC. He plays for the uh, Andorra club team that's owned by Gerard Piquet. I did actually know that. Scored a goal the other week. Prove it, Andy. From my research for the <laughs> much better game, <laughs> where did they come from? Where did they go? Anyway. I knew I did this recently. Bassoni played more than Danny Graham. How many times? 11. More. 22. I've got more. Six. It is more. Six. Oh. So it shows someone actually listened to Andy's research. Yeah, I listened to our podcast. Yeah. yeah, Good stuff. I didn't. 
Right, I think this is a bit of a straightforward one. The Trundle. Can, yeah. we, can we call out the theme now? Go for it. Belatedly, yeah. Played for both teams, Leeds and Swansea. That is correct. Everyone's nodding, so they all had the theme. So Lee Trundle, did he play more or less times than Federico Bazzoni, who made six appearances? Matt? Um, I think he played fewer times. I'm going lower. I've gone for three. Andy? I've gone lower four. James? Lower five. It's actually higher. It was ten. Never. I was closest. That is amazing. I was excited when he signed. I used to live on Soccer Home and he went, I love DVDs. It was hopeless. I'll tell you what, after that one, I'll save you up a really straightforward one. Andy Robinson. Kyle Bartley. Oh. Higher or lower? Interesting fact about Kyle Bartley. He scored six goals in his time at Leeds United, and that's more goals than he has scored for all his other clubs combined. The Gary Monk effect. Indeed. Another one. Everyone loves a gipping noise. James. More. How many are you saying? 33. Because uh, just to say that the amount of games could be important if we get down to a tiebreaker. Uh, Andy? More. 41. Matt? I've gone higher, 42. You're a snake. You're looking at my paper. I think he's looking at my spreadsheet. No, it's 45. Oh. Almost a never present in that season. It's annoying because I'd written 44 and then amended it to 42. So I've lost, lost two appearances there. So again... I think Andy's won. I've got one more player. We've got one more player. We've got Andy Andy Robinson to go, surely. Do you know, I've done a couple of extra players this week, if you don't mind extending it ever so slightly. Go for it. It's got to be Andy Robinson. Lee Chapman. Oh, did he play for the Jacks? He did. He played seven games and scored four goals for Swansea. How many times did he play for Leeds United? Oh, crikey, Mikey. Is Lee Chapman the oldest player to have appeared on Play Your Players Right so far? Yeah, he's the only one who played in the 1970s. Did he? Started in 78. Behave yourself. I kid you not. So, uh, Andy. More. With how many? 119. James. More. 86. I've gone with uh, 87. He played 139 times. Oh dear, looks like I'm going to win again. Still time. Last one, last one. Andy Robinson. Pablo Hernandez. (sighs) The wizard. As of current press, how many times? More or less than Lee Chapman. Can you remind me of the Lee Chapman number? 139. I'm going less. I'm saying 109. Less 127. Less 119. Oh, and I think you've been to most of those games, but you've missed one. 120. So do we have a clear winner? I believe we do. Yeah, I think it's Andy. Are they grinning? This winner is a grinner. Oh, I'm grinning, so technically I've won as well. So if you go back to episode nine, Andy and Paul went to visit Lee Hicken, the uh, director of Take Us Home, the Amazon documentary series. Uh, Really good interview. Recommend you go back and have a listen. We've had some good feedback on that. What was it like, Andy? It was great. Uh, Good to catch up with Lee. Uh, We've got an update as well, actually. He's given us a good piece of memorabilia for our prize giveaway. Oh, what's he given us? So he's going to give away a limited edition signed copy of Do You Want to Win? Oh, nice. Get that in the pot. On DVD? DVD. Brilliant. Thanks, Lee. Anyone wanting to try and win that prize can enter at leadsthat.com. Just enter your name and email address and you'll be in the prize draw. So that's a DVD and a Tony Boa Corinthian figure so far. And the next item to be announced very soon. Mm, Indeed. Here's a little clip from uh, Andy and Paul's interview with Lee Hicken where he talks about Victor Otter. 
Vic, Victor is, um, well, it, there's two, two things to think about with Victor. Like there's the professional side of him in terms of, um, you know, the coaches, he, he helps to recruit. He's so thorough, isn't he? Oh, he's, he's, I think Andrea calls him like a database in, in the, in the documentary. And he is, he is, um, so knowledgeable about football, um, a very articulate guy, um, and and I bet he is even more in 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 Spanish, um, but as far as like the the reason why I, um, th- what I think about when I think about Victor is he's like um, a big part of the glue that that holds Leeds United together. You know, he's he's involved in everything. The players the players love him, um, the staff love him. He's mega passionate about about the club. Um, he lives and breathes every match. He lives and breathes every kind of up and down of the player individually. Um, and and the one bit actually, and we didn't leave this out for um, for legal reasons or anything like that. But he's shown us um, when we arrived. He had a a letter on his table, uh, hate mail. So we're getting hate mail from Leeds fans and it was, um, fuck off out of Leeds order written in pen on this, on this, uh, piece of paper on his table. And that was the starting point really for us where we were like, wow. Um, okay. The last season didn't go well. And some of the, some of the transfers have, have not panned out. Ironically, some of them did the following season. It just took a bit of time, you know, um, to for them to either find the feet or find the right coach or whatever it was. But he was like a bit of a redemption story for us of like, this guy's kind of, not hated, but you know, he's got, he's certainly got a lot of critics within the fan base. And all we found were like a, a really good guy, really passionate guy, leads through and through. And yeah, hopefully by the end of the documentary, people can see what he's really like because he's, I'm sure there are, but I've never heard anyone say a bad word about Victor. Like, it, everyone loves him. So we touched on the documentary when it first came out. We've all had a chance to watch it now, I think. What are our overriding thoughts in the end? What did we learn, Andy? I've learned that we've got a great club. I think it's in the right hands. And I think to say it ended on such a low point with the Derby defeat and losing the playoffs, I've come out of it watching the end going, these guys mean business. I think we're going to do well and we're in the right hands. I think with Bielsa on board and a bit of backing, we can do it this year. I I felt positive after watching it. It was like watching open heart surgery and seeing a wound just get torn to pieces. But then it gets stitched up at the end and we're alive and we win. Yeah, obviously there's the ending, which is really disappointing and sad to watch. But I think the overriding thing that comes out for me is how professional the club is now from all levels. And it's really impressive um, combination of people have managed to put the club back together because it was the definition of an unprofessional club like five years ago. Oh, it was horrible, wasn't it? Yeah. So you've got like the people at the top who've clearly put a, a really good level of professionalism into the backroom staff, but then Bielsa's come in and added that professionalism to the playing staff as well. And the players have bought into it and they act like grown ups. We've had plenty of players who haven't acted like grown ups in the past. And it's very, very pleasing to see. If you haven't watched the documentary, Obviously, it's not a spoiler to say that we lose to Derby. However, it would be a spoiler to uh, discuss what happens after that point. But I think it's fair to drop in. I was apprehensive about watching it because of the way that the season ended. But the documentary doesn't end at that part. And I would encourage people to watch episode six and to continue beyond the part at 34 minutes where it gets a little bit dark. The big thing for me is um, it showcases the city as well as the club. You know, and I think for the club, to do well, it needs the city to do well. And for the city to do well, it needs the club. And it 
And I think like um, Lee touched on it as well that the other documentaries do just concentrate on on the football or you know, the the main topic. But I think it's really important to get across everyone who's connected with with Leeds United that is everyone's moving in the same direction, really, aren't they? Going back to what Matt said about professionalism and having Bielsa there, one thing that made me laugh, I'm pretty sure it's in the documentary, is that Ailing, Luke Ailing comes across and he says, oh, I thought I was lean and trim. And Bielsa said, no, 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 you need to lose four kilos. And just beasts him and flogs him round and round and round. You're thinking, we are a step above, aren't we? We're, we're blessed. It's what makes me scared about ever having a conversation with Marcel and Bielsa about what he might say to us. <laughs> I think he. I think he only. I think he keeps that to the players. I don't think he's, don't think he's walking around to fans with fat calipers. BMI. Thank God. Your podcast will be so much better if you trimmed it up a bit. I was just going to say on your point, Matt, as well. It really highlights that it. What it actually is is a, a massive transformation of the club, isn't it? Is the word I suppose. And we haven't really had a transformation of the club. I would say since Howard Wilkinson. Well, we've had bad transformations, we but, have, but we haven't had a positive, positive one. Yeah. yeah, I think we're an institution now, aren't we? I think it'll be one of those where you know something special is happening at the time with, with Marcelo Bielsa, but once once he goes, and he will go one day, you will look back at the legacy that he's left and the, the transformation that he has helped. Just take the standards through the roof at the club. And I think it comes across in the documentary that it makes everybody connected to the club feel that you've got to be better because you see the way that he conducts himself. And he's just a fantastic uh, person. That's why the whole, it's boring to talk about it again, but the Spygate, when his character was brought into question about cheating, it just felt so wrong because he wasn't cheating. It was maybe a misinterpretation of the culture, but he's not, he's not a cheat. He's, he's, a ver- he's a purist. So it sounds like an obvious question, but what do we want to see in series two? Champions by Christmas. <laughs> Would be nice, wouldn't it? It's on the cards, I think. Just no drama. Don't need any sort of conflict. I know it's boring for Lee's documentary, but as a fan. <laughs> I think that's one thing that came across from Lee is he's a proper fan and he's caught in two minds as as a fan. He wants us to do well and beat everyone fifty eight nil. But then there's no drama as a director and he needs something there to make a dramatic piece of not cinema, but a series that people globally can watch and enjoy. Yeah, and we're watching it as a fan, so we're experiencing it in a totally different way. But if you look at it as a box set, then you'd be right behind the club in series two. You'd be like, oh, let's put that behind them and really get into it. And um, hopefully that's what it's going to show. But we've got a long way to go. Right, guys, who's ready for another cracking installment of Where Did They Come From? Where Did They Go? I am. I am. Yeah, it should be good, shouldn't it? This went down really well last time, didn't it, Andy? Yeah, it might have done. You haven't mentioned it, though. No. Jingle! <laughs> Where did they come from? Where did they go? They've all played at Ellen Road. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they go from Ellen Road? Where did they come from? Where did they go? They've all played at Ellen Road. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they go from Ellen Road? Right, guys, a quick recap of the rules. This has to be permanent signings. Loans do not count. And it's where did we sign the player from and where did we sell them to permanently? And it's just a shouty out. If you know it, you shout it. Exactly. This is super duper fun. So let's start with a childhood hero of mine scoring 53 goals in just over 200 games. Rodney Wallace. Where did we sign him from? Southampton. Correct. 
Where did he break my heart and go to? Rangers. Correct. Sorry, James put his hand up for the record and I shouted above no, him. No, winners are grinners. We know that now. Also, it's a shouty-outy game. We've, uh, we've established that. Sad fact here. I got the uh, Rod Wallace shirt for Christmas and he went a few days later. Did the club offer you a refund on it? No, but I cried a lot. Anyway, this game is insane. Let's keep going. A player who also graced the turf with Rod was this Scottish left back. Not known as fondly as Rod, though, but hey-ho. This guy is David Robertson. Now, where did we sign David Robertson from? Livingston. Nope. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Don't know. Grinick Morton. Nope. Gives a clue. Okay. We've already guessed two Scottish clubs. Aberdeen. Nope. Hearts. Nope. Queen of the South. Nope. Rangers. Yes. We signed David Robertson from Rangers. In four years at Leeds, he had a surprising 26 appearances. And I think Ian Hart put, put that to bed, didn't he, really? Now, where did he go? Scotland. Whereabouts? Livingston. No. Kilmarnock. No. Rangers. No. Celtic. No. Hearts. No. Hibs. No. Ayrshire. No. Queen of the South. No. 444. No. Motherwell. No. East Fife. No. Dundee. No. Dundee United. No. What a game this is. Anyone give up? I give up. So do I. Yeah, you've, you've lost us. I'm not grinning. Montrose. Oh. You are all close. Another striker with a legendary song about his man part, Enoch Shawumney. United's 21 made 15 appearances, scoring two goals, and is randomly now mates with Rads. Mr. Radrizani, work that one out. But where did we sign him permanently from? Rangers. No. <laughs> Matt looks like he knows this. I, I don't. I should do. But I don't. Paul? I don't know. I want to say Stoke, but... No. But... They do have something in common with Stoke. Is it the kit? Is it red and white stripes? Yeah, because that's why I went with Stoke. Because I'm We've beaten game. them once this season in their own back garden. Oh, Wigan. No, nope. Bristol. 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 We signed Enoch from Bristol. Now, where did we ship him out to permanently? Give you a clue. It's north of the border again. Kilmarnock. Nope. Hart. Nope. Air. Nope. Fofa. Nope. Queen of the Rangers. South. Nope. Montrose. Nope. nope. Celtic. Nope. Hibs. Nope. Give in. North of which border? Well, he's gone Scotland. Okay. <laughs> I give up. Yeah, give up. Yeah, you've lost us again. I'm too good at this game, aren't I? He's gone Falkirk. <laughs> you didn't even find these on Wikipedia, did you? You just found them in the, the dregs of the internet somewhere. I found them in my knowledge, in my brain. Now to a goalkeeper. He spent 10 years at his previous club before gracing us as a backup. Shane Higgs. Shigsy. Shig's dog. Where did we get him from after 10 glorious years in the lower leagues of English football? Peterborough. No. Charlton. No, but close with the Ch. Chesterfield. No. Chelmsford. No. Cholchester. No. It's got a race course. Cheltenham. Yes, we signed Shigsy from Cheltenham. And where did we get rid of him to? Rangers. No. This is really hard this week. It's good though, isn't it? No. It's too hard. Arsenal. No. Retired. No. Northampton. Yes. Boom. Are you on Wikipedia? Did you just guess that? No, I knew yeah, that. He is on Wikipedia, I can see. Oh, what a cheat. That's. I'd like to say that that's not true. 
And finally, another striker whose name is also related to a man part, Paul Dickoff. (laughs) (laughs) Where did we sign him from? Permanently. Leicester. Leicester City. Correct. And he played four times before we got rid of him to... Oldham. Correct. That's, That's impressive. Now this concludes another exciting round. Fantastic. Play the jingle. Where did they come from? Where did they go? They've all played at Ellen Road. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they go from Ellen Road? Where did they come from? Where did they go? They've all played at Ellen Road. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Where did they go from Ellen Road? Earlier on, Paul, when we were talking about Take Us Home, you talked about everyone being better. Everyone within the club, everyone, the fans. One of the things that came across in the documentary um, was player abuse on social. Should we play the clip? It's social media nowadays. It's just a it's just a platform for people to just slate you if they want, and there's no repercussions of it. For the first time all season, the Leeds players are facing criticism on social media from some of their own fans. No, I don't try to read it, but then, like my dad and my missus will text me saying, like, don't go on Twitter because... Uh, and like, I say, look, just don't read it. And, like, I don't try to listen to it, but obviously, you, then, like, you do get drawn into reading things and some things ain't nice to hear. People always say that, then, like, us have got thick skin and that, but then, like, it don't mean that we're not getting hurt by it or not listening to it because we do read things and then, like, it does hurt you when people say, oh, he's crap, get him out. Then, like, he's been rubbish for the whole season and uh, and then you think, wait up, then like, at the start of the season, then I was the best thing since sliced bread, do you know what I mean? But it's just it's just one of them things. Players go up and down in form and fans pay their money so the fans can say what they want. Some things are true, but some things I read and think, do you know what, you're spot on there, yeah, then like, I was crap today. So then I take that on the chin, but then other things where you think, wait up, and then things can play on your mind a little bit. Not everyone's going to like you. <laughs> and someone's going to voice their opinion on you, know. And, and a lot of the times, you know, you do remember the bad comments more than you remember the good ones. People just forget you're a person sometimes, like, you know, some of the messages you get. And, like, whereas the same person might see you in the supermarket and then he'd ask you for a picture because he's there face to face with you. You know, people just forget that you, you are a normal person. People are lying if they say it doesn't affect you because it does. You have to have thick skin, but it does affect you. Whoever it was that made Luke Ayling sad, I will find you and I will kill you. Who makes Luke Ayling sad? He sounded really sad then, didn't he? What are your thoughts on um, social media and the abuse aimed at players? Well, in that clip, Luke Ayling says that fans pay their money and they can say what they want, but that's not true, is it? (laughs) (laughs) They can say what they want, but there's ways and means of going about your business, isn't there? Well, I think there's, there's valid criticism and there's abuse, isn't there? And I think we're talking about abuse here. I mean, if I say to any of you guys in the stand or I think Luke Aylin's having a bad game. Yeah, fine. But there's no need to then go on Twitter at him in a message and pack it full of swear words and abusive language, is there? The thing is, with, with most things in life, I can try and look and, and rationalise it and understand somebody else's point of view and see exactly where they're coming from. With this, I just can't. I don't understand what can possess anybody to feel that they can go online and use it as a, unless they don't understand that people might see this unless they think it's just a place to rant but 
It's so ignorant. It's so rude. And it just really, it's upsetting. The thing for me is that players are given a specific task of what to do on the pitch. And when they come off, they know that they haven't done it. So they're disappointed and upset with themselves. So the last thing they need is a fan berating them. A a fan and supporter's job is to kind of lift them out of that mood so they're ready for the next game. How does it help just going at them in that manner? I absolutely agree with you. It's that thing about marginal gains that they talk about in sport quite a lot. I think the British cycling team do it a lot. It's like tiny little things that can make a difference that you make sure that all of those tiny things are absolutely right and one of those tiny things at a football club is making sure that the supporters are actually supporting the team and that's what pisses me off about it none of us are professional athletes we don't know what it's like to go out and do that we've all played football before fair enough but have we done it where we're training for however many hours a week going out and playing and doing that we don't understand the pressures we don't understand what it's like to be that person now granted you could say oh I'd take that pressure for 30 grand a week Still, you've still got to deal with it, get on with it. As a supporter, it's hard to distance yourself and actually, on a level basis, go, if I did that at work, what would be people saying about me? How would I get sorted out? Fundamentally, I don't want to go too deep on this, but at a level of society, the internet and social media has grown far quicker than the etiquette at which to behave on it. That's basically it, isn't it? And I think in 20 years' time, people look back where every piece of your life and everything that is a a reflection of you lives there, they'll regret saying things like this. Well, you see, for footballers, they regret the things. uh, Phil Neville, he made comments about about women that could have cost him his job as the England women's boss. Andre Gray, homophobic uh, messages on Twitter before he signed for Watford, was it, or Burnley? Well, I I know that I'm I'm obviously very clearly not a footballer, but I do work in a job where people can say things about the, the work that you're doing, the work you produce, and sometimes that can be said online. And it's not particularly a job where you have to, where you would expect to have to be thick-skinned about that kind of thing. But stuff does affect you and, you, and anybody who is conscientious about their work does care about what people say. And this just seems to give a platform for people to say what they believe to be anything that they want at any time. And it, is, it can just be deeply hurtful and actually illegal on many occasions. I think the other thing you've got to remember is that the people who are giving the abuse, they're probably doing it based on the performance of the player. But the fact that they're willing to go online and just direct abuse at somebody suggests they're probably a bit of an idiot. So why is their assessment of the performance of a player um, to be taken seriously? I mean, if you don't play football, you know, we've all got opinions. But the thing is, we will sit on our match day podcast, we'll come up with a different man of the match sometimes four different man of the matches at the end of the game. People see the game differently. And the other thing is people forget that the opposition might have a really good game. So if you think a player's played badly, it might just be that they weren't quite as good as the opposition. I remember a few years ago, the year uh, Southampton got back into Premier League, we absolutely battered them and they won 1-0 and Kelvin Davis, their keeper, got man of the match. Yeah. And everyone's going, oh, we can't finish us dinner, blah, 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 blah. Well, actually, he just had an absolute world in a different day. They won 7-1. That's a really good example. So on behalf of Luke Aylin and Adam Forshaw, I'd like to put out an offer. Anybody who fancies having a go at a Leeds United player, please direct all your abuse to at Leeds that on Twitter. We'll ignore it. The players won't see it and we'll, uh, we'll crack on. And never, ever make Luke that sad again.
So we also got another message on uh, Twitter from a chap called Robert Carajal or Robbo Parker. And um, he's asked us to discuss the current situation with the EFL, particularly Bury and Bolton Wanderers. Now, Matt, you might be able to correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure that Bury and Bolton were all in favour of our demise, were they not? They were not one of the teams that stood up for us, were they? That's a generalisation. I can't remember. There's a list somewhere online of the teams that didn't um, back Leeds. But it's a very, very complicated situation because obviously at that time we had Ken Bates in charge. So it was a back, backing Leeds also meant that you were backing Ken Bates. Yes, well, I'm not saying that we should get rid of Berry and Bolton and all this. As a fan, I'm really sad for them with what's going on and hope it all gets sorted. Bolton, thankfully, looks like it's being sorted. The cynical side of me thinks if this was Leeds, everyone would be dancing around in the knickers in the garden saying, oh, bollocks to Leeds, never see them again, blah, blah, blah. What it comes down to is that the EFL needs somebody independent of them to adjudicate whether the decisions that they're making are right and proper rather than standing alone as a sort of rogue industry. Also, they don't really make decisions a lot of the time. You know, like the whole Spygate saga, they didn't make a decision. We just have to pay a, some sort of fine to get out of it. So, yeah, I agree with that. Some sort of panel that sits in between us and them would, would make a lot of sense. Totally independent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's disgusting what's happening to them and something needs to be done to fix it. Um, but at the same point, no one would help Leeds, would they? I've got absolutely no time for the uh, EFL. But what you, what you can say in their favour is that they are not set up to deal with these types of things. They're not, a, they're not an organisation that was designed to deal with complicated business financial arrangements. So why aren't they putting their hands up and saying that they need the help then? Or why aren't there other people coming and saying, clearly here you've got a big situation, we're designed to help, can we come in? I don't think they care. I genuinely don't think they care about the product they're doing. I think they care about themselves. I think they're worried about the rep- their reputation. That's why we've seen these deadlines being extended and extended because they don't want to be seen as the villains in the piece. Um, but then they could just ensure there's a save, surely. Speaking of deadlines as well, when Sky did that countdown, oh. that was just in such bad taste. Disgusting. Uh, it showed To me, that just showed how disconnected from football they actually are. Well, Sky just treat football like a TV programme, so this was excellent for them. This is just mm. new, new, another thing that they can stick a fancy graphic on. Um, but, but people are paying Sky. People have Sky subscriptions, so... Ironically, the graphic was crap as well. Um, I agree with you, Andy. I'm in, um, I'm in two minds about it because nobody wants to see a club go to the wall. And I, I think particularly a small club like, no. a smaller club like Bury, because they are in a very difficult part of the country. They're competing with uh, the two Manchester clubs, the two Liverpool clubs, uh, and a lot of other kind of lower league clubs around that area for fans. So no wonder they are already struggling for them for, the, for this to happen to them is just... And the thing for me is clubs need rivals too. So Rochdale are now going to lose a massive rival with Bury. However much I'd love to see a club like Manchester United go to pot, I'd miss being able to have a dig at Man United fans. I'd miss all of that. Well, I think you speak to some of their fans now, don't you, who are like, well, it's about time Leeds came back up to the Premier League because uh, they miss us. So that is a good point. Speaking of which, the, uh, the Neville's, own uh, part own Salford and this is one of those silly situations whereby they've got they've got a huge uh, family interest in Bury and they have the money that could have saved Bury and they seemingly may have been willing to do so but due to their part ownership of Salford 
were completely unable to do so. Well, I think that says more about the Nevilles than it does about anything else. We are pointing the finger a lot at the EFL, but we know from our own experience what owners of clubs can be like as well. So I don't think it's all as plain and simple as it's made out. I saw um, uh, the Berry owner, Steve Dale, penned a really long letter to uh, Debbie Jevons, who's now Sean Harvey's replacement. And it was it was an open letter. He was very cutting about a lot of things. And I can't say whether it's accurate or not. I don't know, but it just felt like a lot of noise and they're just throwing noise at it to kind of hide whatever it is that's going on on both sides, I think. Mm. Well, the the issue there is that a lot of fans have zero trust in anything that he says. And if we're keeping our finger pointed at the AFL, they allowed him to take over and run that club and then said, oh, you're not doing a very good job of it. Un- under Sean Harvey. Uh, that. Yeah, but in that letter, he says that Sean Harvey was very good. Leads well, that. That's not, um, that's not an experience that we've had at Leeds. The most interested Sean Harvey has ever been in Leeds United, including while he was our uh, chief executive, was when uh, Massimo Cellino said that he wasn't going to let the sky cameras in for that derby game over Christmas. And Sean Harvey drove to Elland Road and pleaded with him to let the sky cameras in. Good old Sean Harvey, eh? Well, just one thing on um, Bolton. Bolton were obviously the team that sent us down from the Premier League. So um, I've always felt this sense that eventually we're going to have to have some revenge over them. Now we've already overtaken them. They're a league below us. We need to get back to the Premier League. And then I think order's restored. But I would say that going out of going out of business is probably a step too far and I wouldn't wish it on them. Right, let's go catch up with our uh, favourite barista, Nathan, and see what has been going on in his coffee shop. Who's in the shop? Who's in the shop? Who's been in Nathan's coffee shop? Hi guys, hope you're all well. Andrea is back in Leeds. He got back last Friday. Um, He was only here for the weekend from what I understand, but he popped in for a coffee uh, a couple of times during the day. We had a quick chat about the documentary, about how the season was going so far. So, yeah, it was nice uh, nice for him to pop in again. And then on the Saturday, uh, we saw him just as he was leaving with Victor Orta and Angus Kinnear to go up to Stoke. And, uh, and yeah, jetting off to Milan, fair play to him. Other than that, nothing else to report. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have a little bit more going on now that the season's in full swing. And uh, next pod, hopefully we'll have something good to talk about. Thanks, guys. Take care. Nothing's going on in this coffee shop. Nathan, spill the coffee beans. We need something more than this, pal. I mean, I don't think Andrea Radrazani will ever listen to this podcast, the Leeds United owner, but he's name-dropped him a lot there, hasn't he? Yeah, I think they're BFFs by the sound of it. I just want to know what coffee he's got, Nath. I don't care if he's been to talk to you. Right, lads, you're all aware of alternative commentary phenomenon on Twitter. Yes. Big fan. Please tell me more, Matthew. So this is a thing that is happening at clubs right across the country where people are uh, coming up with their own commentary for the highlights of games and sticking in um, this random commentary into a text-to-speech generator and then creating alternative commentary. Brilliant. I've got to say thanks to Ollie Walker on Twitter, who's at Total Whitewash, who's helped me with this game. Uh, He runs the at LUFC underscore commentary feed, so you can go back and watch some of our um, previous games with his alternative commentary. We've got some highlights of the uh, Stoke game in the Cup. And before we play it, I've just got to warn everybody that for some reason, these alternative commentaries have always got to feature lots of bad language. So if you're of a sensitive disposition, then probably skip this next bit. <laughs> Hi, Mum. I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, there's a preoccupation with bad words. But um, so this is what it sounds like. This is um, Ollie's attempt at alternative commentary for our Stoke defeat in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday night. Draw. The Harry Potters have a corner. It's whipped in and comes off Bath Water's head and the Spanish Nora does not deal with it. Fucking hell, my PTSD from last season has been triggered for fuck's sake. Ron Weasley runs down the wing for Gryffindor. Oh fucking hell, he's done pineapple head there. He squares it and fucking hell it has gone in and we're losing 2-0. England's number 20 takes his time kicking the ball and ha ha he twats his own centre-backs back. OMG Eddie ends his already dead career and we are back in it get in. Insert some more liquid Beelzebul. What a fucking cross. Yes the Portuguese Pablo equalises how have we equalised. Now we are off to penalties. England's number 20 steps up and fucking hell he has scored. The Manchester Messi steps up and yes get in he has missed we're out of this shitty cup. Brilliant. That's brilliant. You get the idea. Yep. This gave me an idea for a game. And I'm calling this the real alternative commentary game. (laughs) What's the acronym for that? The RAC game. Love it. So I've got scorecards for you. Exciting. So what I've done is taken some real commentary of Leeds United goals and converted it into the alternative commentary style. So you've got to see if you recognise it. We're going to play the build-up to the goal. uh, And I want you to tell me who the goal scorer was, who the opposition was, what year it happened, and for a bonus point, who the commentator was. And then we'll see whether you're right. So there's 20 points to play for. This is brutal. Here we go with question one. Some run that by the youngster Parker. Robinson takes over. Good ball. Is that the end of the clip? That's the end of the clip. No idea? Nope, none at all. I think I've got it. No clues in that? I think I've got it too. I think I've got it. All right, question number two. Number seven, Lorimer. Mick Jones out on the right. Number nine. Trying to take on McNabb on the outside. He's round the back. Question number two. Paul's looking confident. I'm feeling good. It's commentators I'm struggling with. So yeah, the commentators is the hardest bit of this game, but it's just for, you know... Differentiating. Bonus points. All right, question number three. A up. A up. He's onside as well. He's onside. Oh my word. Oh my word. How are we feeling about this one? Fine, but um, again, I'm struggling with flipping commentators. <laughs> Paul, got that one? I think, well, we'll see. How are you getting on, James? Awful. Uh, that one feels familiar though good I've seen their papers and I think I'm wrong now right question four cheat so Leeds suddenly have to stop thinking about a two goal advantage and get back into work recognise that one is it goals that we've scored yeah they're all Leeds United goals oh oh that's but is is the play on this that it's an alternative no this is this is actual commentary that I hoped that you would all recognise, but you clearly don't. Looking at the blank faces around the table. Well, that's what. So we don't have a two nil. We don't have a two goal lead anymore, but we just scored. So we've got a three goal lead. No, we haven't just scored. This is the build up to the goal. Oh right, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh shit, yeah. Play one more time. So Leeds suddenly have to stop thinking about a two goal advantage and get back into work. More blank faces. I think I think, I think I've got it. Okay, and well, finally, question number five. Forshaw steps in really well. Leeds have the ball in midfield. Forshaw through and in it goes to Harrison and then played a great ball into Dallas. Right, well, it's time for the answers for the RAC game. Okay, question number one. Who uh, who thinks they got that one? Yep. Go on then, Andy. Luciano Becchio. Yep. Against Millwall. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2009. It was. Kerwin. 
No. <sighs> Anyone think they got the commentator? No. That was Alan Parry on Sky. Oh, father. Let's play the clip. Some run that by the youngster Parker. Robinson takes over. Good ball. Becchio well placed. Leeds United draw level on aggregate. All right, well done to those who got that. A point for each fact. Question number two. Anybody get that one? Clark, maybe? Was Alan Clark against Arsenal? Yeah. Yeah. 71 72. I've said season, maybe. Yeah, 1972. And the commentator? Barry Davis. Oh, wow. I can't believe nobody's got this. It's one of the most famous pieces of Legion United commentary in history. John Watson? No, David Coleman. Who? David Coleman. Not for me, that. Yeah, let's play the full clip. Number seven, Lorimer. Mick Jones out on the right. Number nine. Trying to take on McNabb on the outside. He's round the back. Clark. One nil. All right, question number three. Who got this one? I've, I think it's either Smith or Viduka. Maybe against Liverpool. I can't decide which one. Maybe Viduka. Liverpool at home, maybe? You've got the goal scorer. It is Mike Viduka, but it's not a home game. Uh, it's not against Liverpool. I think right. I've got it wrong, but can I jump in? Yep. I think it's against Arsenal away, and it's the fan commentary from Sky. It is. It's fan zone. <sighs> fan zone. Did anybody get the year? 2002? Nope. 98, 99? Nope. 2003? 2003, yep. Yeah, did you right. get all this stuff right, Paul? What year did we get relegated in? 2004. Four. And uh, who's the commentator? Your boa constrictor. Yeah, that's his uh, online name. Bob, Bob Tappin. Tappin. Bob Tappin from the uh, from Amazon. Can I have your Take boa us home, Yeah, you can have that. That's correct. Uh, let's play it. A up. A up. He's onside as well. He's onside. Oh my word. Oh my word, Mark Viduka. Oh, he's scored. He's done it. Oh my word. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. It's Mark Viduka. And he's done it. He's done it for Leeds United. I can't believe it. I can't believe it, Marco Viduka. Oh yes. Oh, I feel so proud. So proud to be Leeds. It's amazing. It's 3-2 to Leeds United and we have silenced the Cockney boys. And that one, it, it can go on for another two minutes. And the best thing is at the end of it, Bob Toppin says, I'm speechless. Did <laughs> <laughs> you say that? Never write off the mighty white gods of Leeds United. He does. He has a go at Brian Kidd. There's a lot of Jimmy Savile references in it. It's um, If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend checking it out on YouTube. Oh, well, I didn't get that one. Classic bit of Leeds United commentary. Question number four, who got this? We all should have got this one. I think it's from last season. Nope. That's your four. Is it the Yeboa clip? It is. From uh, Bryn Law. We played it on the last podcast. It's the Yeboa goal versus Wimbledon from Bryn Law. Play the clip. So, Leeds suddenly have to stop thinking about a two-goal advantage and get back into work. Yeboa comes forward for the Noah What a goal by Tony Yeboa. Oh, that's tremendous stuff. The Ghanaian has pulled out an absolute peach here at Selhurst Park. Two touches and he hammers it into the roof of the net. 30 yards out, it gets better, and better, and better, and he is a genius. Tony Yeboa, 3-1 leads. Great, and did anyone get the year on that one? 96? Nope. 95. 95. Ah. 1995. Okay, final question. Who got this? I've got it wrong. Come on then, what's your wrong answer? I thought it was from this year, but it's not, and I'll know when it's from, I think. Go on then. I think it's from the defeat in the playoffs to Derby that's still this year I meant this season 
Yeah, but we're only looking for the year, so... Well, this year. If you've written 2019, you've got it right. I've got a point, 2019. Uh, it wasn't that goal. Oh. Anybody know when it was? Well, this is Alioski against Stoke. And Bryn Law's commentating, I'm probably wrong. You, again, close, not quite. Was Ball. it against Stoke? Yes, Stoke's right. Oh, so I've got two points to this. Well, no, because you you went for the Derby game. No, I've written it down, though, look. Let me have a look at your paper. Oh, yeah, you have. He just read over my shoulder and got it wrong for himself. <laughs> there you go, you. There you go. <laughs> no, so I put that for the one before. Who scored? I put Dallas. It was Stuart Dallas. Sounds like that's four points for Paul. Was it Bryn Law in I the commentary? Dallas. Yep, Bryn Law. Oh. Ah. So while we play the full clip, if you add up all of the different facts you got right, and then you should have a score out of 20. Four sure steps and really well. Leeds have the ball in midfield. Four sure through and in it goes to Harrison and then played a great ball into Dallas. Dallas in space. Stuart Dallas scores for Leeds United. What a move that is. Fantastic ball to pick out the run of Dallas and suddenly he was clear through. Are we counting my uh, working out of the Arsenal one that I got right but I didn't write down? No, it's got to be written down to score points. Oh, but a shocker then. I've only got nine. Did anybody get 20 out of 20? Did we act? No. Anybody get more than 15? Yes. 16. 16 out of 20. Anybody beat that? He's what? scribbled everything out on his pad. He's cheated. I could scribble out and put that I'd got the 3-2 Arsenal one. I think it was witness that that was done yeah, to be To be fair, I've kept an eye on him. Um, <sighs> how about you, Andy? I got 17. <laughs> James, 18? Yeah. Why aren't you grinning? I got nine. Well, looking at the grins around the table, it looks like Paul is the winner of the inaugural Real Alternative Commentary Game. That's all for now. That's all for now from the Real Alternative Commentary Game on the Leeds That Podcast. Today's players were Andy, James, and Paul, and your host for the game today was Matt. Thanks for playing along if you did, and we'll see you again someday soon. Only on the Leeds That Podcast. Goodbye. Well, we're almost out of time for this edition of the Leeds That Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Leeds United take a break from their uh, heavy fixture list. We won't be taking a, a full break. We've got an interview coming up with Ellen Smith from Shadow Lark, who may be best known to you as the young lady who recorded the version of Marching On Together for the Amazon documentary Take Us Home. Yeah, yeah so Andy and James went to speak with Ellen all about her life and times as a Leeds United fan and uh, talk about her music as well. Um, we asked her about what her, what she thought the biggest Leeds that moment was. <laughs> there are many, but I think I'd say probably one of the things about the um, documentary is where you, when you hear Russell Crowe and he's saying like every club that's been top at Christmas has been promoted into the Premier League. <laughs> Like historically, and obviously, we just flapped it. Ellen was very kind to uh, donate to us a prize for our prize draw, which you can enter at leadsthat.com. What is it, James? So, Ellen has kindly given us a pass from one of the games she worked at last season. Uh, it's from the Sheffield United away game uh, where we won 1 0. Beautiful goal by Pablo Hernandez, I believe. She's also put um, on social media, she put a, a chord sheet. A picture of a chord sheet for her for her version of Match On Together. She's giving us that and she's signed it for us as well. So now we have a Corinthian figure. Tony, Tony Abova. Sealed. A signed limited edition copy of Do You Want to Win from the director. 
Lee Hicken. And a signed pass from the Sheffield United away game and the cords from marching on together. This is some prize, fellas. Yeah, I'm wanting to win this now. It's turning into one heck of a bundle. Do you want to win? Yes, please. So speaking of the chords for March on Together, Ellen was kind enough to play her version of the song for us. Um, she also played another track, which you can hear in her interview podcast, which will be out before the international break. Uh, you'll be also be able to see those performances online at YouTube. We'll get all of the information out on social media. You'll be able to visit us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Leeds That to find out all of the information. Uh, in the meantime, before we uh, retire for a couple of weeks, uh, before we're back for the Barnsley Match Day podcast, we're going to leave you with Ellen Smith's exclusive version of Marching On Together for the Leeds That podcast. See you next time.
Social Podcast Network.